Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. Big point for the Baggies, but is Bilic on the brink? And a winner for Wolves at the death as Pedro Neto sinks Chelsea. Liverpool aren't in an injury crisis, says the special one ahead of Spurs' top-of-the-table clash. And it's a battle at the bottom too, as Fulham welcome Brighton to the cottage. We'll analyse all the action, as well as look ahead to some of this evening's entertainment in the Premier League after a full programme of fixtures got underway last night. Not only that, but we'll be answering your questions too in a packed podcast, which is available to you every single day of the season. This is, of course, Football Social Daily. New episodes seven days a week, so hit subscribe and stay bang up to date with your daily download covering the English top flight. I'm Niall McCorn. With me on today's show, it's Marley Anderson and Ian Brannan. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, now it's Leeds against Newcastle tonight in one of the games, so no squabbling, please, Ian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> about that. I'm sure you two won't be going hammering tong. Um, but we're going to start with last night first because there is... As I say, so much to go through on today's podcast, so let's not beat around the bush. And let's begin at Molyneux, where Wolverhampton Wanderers secured a dramatic late victory over Chelsea. They won by two goals to one. It was Pedro Neto's late goal which did the damage. The other was a very good goal by Daniel Pedence, I must say. Actually, Marley, I didn't realise this, this statistic. Between them, they've scored more than 50% of Wolves' goals this season in the Premier League, Pedro Neto and Daniel Pedence. We asked questions on the show before about who's going to fill that Jimenez-shaped void. Will it be Fabio Silva? The young lad got a start again last night and I think had a goal chalked off for offside. But certainly, if you look at the statistics there, 50% of all of Wolves' goals this season scored by those two. Um, I guess you could probably pin your hopes on them until Jimenez comes back. Uh, yeah, you probably you probably are looking at them if you're a Wolves fan and saying, OK, we need you to, to take on that burden of, of scoring goals because you know Jimenez will get you you know, twenty a season in all competitions. Um probably probably capable of doing that in the Premier League alone. So you do need players chipping in and obviously with the loss of Jota as well, they they've gone from having two uh, genuine goal threats in the in the last season to, to not having any, um with Jota obviously moving to Liverpool. But they both look like really, really good players. They just need that 
consistency of um, of the reliability that, that Jimenez had. He was a constant thorn in in um, in every team side who he played, and I think Podence and Neto were slightly more um, sort of shadow strikers type of thing. Sort of they, they're not target men. They try mm-hmm. and sort of you know find space on the wings and on the counter attacks. And Podence is excellent in in tight situations. His his dribbling, his ball control is unreal. Um, and he, he he doesn't score crap goals, does he? He only scores really good goals. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I mean Pedro Neto's only twenty as well. That's that's you know for a twenty year old kid, uh, he's he's really starting to to flourish into something really special. He's got an absolute wand of a left foot. Um, I, I I didn't give Wolves much hope yesterday. I thought Chelsea had turned them over pretty comfortably without Jimenez, but um, they took the chances when they came and and they could have even uh, gone on and won that. Um, Gone on and won it. Gone on and won it by more goals because Chelsea weren't uh, weren't excellent, and you know they 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 hit them when they uh, when they needed to. Wolves, so it was a nice little uh, boost for them after losing the uh, Midlands derby on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Late heartbreak for them against Aston Villa with that last minute penalty uh, for Villa to win the game on Saturday. Um, but they managed to, you know, the boot was on the other foot, I suppose you could say, with uh, Wolves getting the late winner. But for Chelsea, Ian, that's two defeats in a row now. I mean, for some, people might suggest that, you know, if you're looking to try and chase down the Premier League title, you can't really lose two games on the spin in the modern Premier League era. But this season's been so strange that even though Chelsea have lost two in a row, they're still very firmly in that top four shout. Yeah, as long as you're in the top four and, and you're not too far away from whoever's in front of you, then you're always going to have a chance. And as you say, things are slightly different this year. Uh, we are seeing that phrase fatigue coming in uh, already at this point in the season. And I don't know, are the players tired? It's it, We don't really know. I mean, some of the players don't seem to be struggling. For example, Giroud, you know, he's he, since he came into the uh, into the team, he's not really struggled with fatigue seemingly, I and mean, he's managed to get himself on the score sheet, and that's obviously got to be good news for for Chelsea. But as you say, they they do have that risk of getting left behind, and we always look in the football season when it comes to Christmas. It's a very busy period. It is possibly the point of the season that really sorts the men out from the boys, um, and and see where we're all at when we get into the new year, because it it, it can you know things can change very quickly. Quickly for for any of the teams that are in that you know not even just the top four but maybe the top six or even top eight could um, really you know make some claims. Um, if you want another stat to add to your collection, um, bring in, it on, bring in, it on. In, we love well, them. I've got I've got two actually for this game, but um, the, the winner last night is the latest that Chelsea have conceded a goal since digital clocks were invented in football in 2006. <laughs> at uh, 94 minutes and 39 seconds. So it's the latest uh, that they've conceded. And um, for a Wolves stat that I have for you, that um, we're talking about the goals being coming from a- across their team, really. But the last 82 goals that Wolves have scored, none of them have been scored by a British player. In fact, the only goals that have been scored by British players for Wolves have been own goals. So there you go. Wow. There's, there's your stat attack from that game. Love um, it. But yeah... Um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, if, if if Chelsea can keep up the pace. I mean, Frank Lampard seemed pretty annoyed last night after the match with the, with the performance. I have to say. Yeah, well, they missed a big chance to go top, Marley, with Liverpool and Spurs playing tonight. I mean, that was a golden opportunity for them. It also slightly opens the door for Leicester as well, who are playing this evening uh, against Everton. Uh, Frank Lampard, as Ian says, was rightly peeved after the match, but he blamed fatigue, or at least he certainly highlighted fatigue might be a reason. Is that fair to say? I mean, we're only 12 games in, and I know they've played midweek fixtures and 
although everyone's got a busy schedule this year because of COVID, which has wiped out five weeks of the schedule. But are the players tired? They, they have a good squad, Chelsea, so I suppose you could argue there's no excuse for them to be fatigued. Um, I think it's uh, it's a fair point. Um, however, it's always, like, as a manager, it's always an excuse that's their fatigue because it's hard to... It's hard to see when players are fatigued if you're not the manager. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like it's hard for me to watch yeah. a game and go, yeah. "He looks tired." He would have got that ball on Saturday when you know. We... Yeah, it's hard to quantify, isn't it? It's difficult to know who's tired and who isn't unless you know the players themselves. Yeah, it's hard, I see it's hard, what you mean. Easy to claim and hard to prove. So it's always going to be there yeah. all through this season. Um, the the fatigue thing and probably even into next season as well because you've got the Euros at the end of this and you you've got a ready-made excuse ready to. Um, go next season as well but I mean there is you know I, I keep thinking about you know the title race everyone's dropping points Man City away off and blah 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 and everything like that but I just think it's one of them it's going to be one of them seasons where I think we've been spoiled in the last couple of years by the this the ridiculous standard that the teams have set you know Man City getting 100 points and then mm. Man City getting 97 points and not winning the league because Liverpool nicked it on 98 um, sorry, the other way around. <laughs> the other way around, um, and then Liverpool walking the <laughs> league last year. I think we're we're used to that now because um, we've had it for three years in a row where somebody's just you know blitzed everybody else. I think before that, if you look um, at, at teams, you know totals, and I remember Man United win the league one year with with seventy six points or something like that. Um, I think we've got we're just in for one of them seasons where. Everybody beats each other more often. Um, no team really runs away with it. And after 12 games, everyone's on top of each other. Leicester could go top. Southampton could go level top um, if results go their way this week, uh, this midweek. Um, and we could see anything. And I just think we're, we've got to sort of like lower ex- our expectations a little bit. And we're, we're not going to have that season where somebody just runs away with it because of everything that's happened and we are going to have a, a, a good old title battle rather than a, a two horse race you know yeah. with everybody beating each other every week and you know Man City not running away with it and Liverpool not quite doing the same and I just mm. think we're back to that old times where you know three or four are in it for, for a, quite a long time I remember someone saying I'm not sure whether it was on the podcast or somewhere else I remember someone suggesting that if you lose five games in a Premier League season there's no chance you're going to win the league I'm looking here at the top five. Chelsea have already lost three. Leicester have lost four. And obviously Liverpool and Tottenham have already lost uh, a game each in the top flight this season after 12 games. So, you know, it's not out of the ordinary now this season to see teams perhaps lose four or five games and uh, and still be in with a shout of finishing top of the league come the end of the season. Of course, it is still really early doors. But for Chelsea, the concern might be statistically, I know you love a stat, as you say, Ian, that they haven't beaten any of last season's top eight so far this campaign they've lost to Wolves they got a draw against Tottenham um, that's surely a concern for Frank Lampard because it's all well and good beating the teams in the bottom half of the table but if you're going to try and finish top of the pile you need to take points off of those teams in and around you yeah beating the teams below you is just going to lead to uh, sort of mid-table obscurity at the end of it isn't it and uh, you do need to beat those those big teams and um, perhaps they have struggled I mean I th- looking at it as well of course we forget that this season started slightly later than than normal so usually we're sat here at Christmas halfway through the season Mm. and 
mm. and sort of taking stock of things. But we are a few games behind that. So, um, you know, slightly behind the curve of to where we normally are. But, yeah, they do need to um, start winning those games. I don't know. They do seem a bit stronger now. Chelsea are, are regularly a team that do seem to get in their stride. It's not it's not unchelsea like to start off a little bit shaky and, and get their act together. They do seem to me to be better than they were you know, a few weeks ago, and um, and maybe the the arrival of Giroud, who's who's now um, you know finding the finding the goal a little bit more and, and gotten a bit more confidence. Maybe that is going to help them up front and uh, and and to win these games. I don't know. I, they they do seem to be improving. My gut feeling is they're improving, but um, as you say, they they, they do need to um, keep pace, and and the only way you can do that is by beating mm. those teams around you. And they have got some big games, of course, coming up over the Christmas period. Not least, uh, I mean, it's maybe not quite as big a game as it usually is but you know they're playing Arsenal on uh, I think Boxing Day you know so these are these are big games mm. that are on their on their agenda and while Arsenal are not a, currently a, a, a top uh, top four team you know that really they should be shouldn't they you know so they should be uh, looking forward to games like that that could really give them a boost um, mm. over the Christmas period. Yeah definitely I mean if you were a Chelsea fan Marley would you be concerned? Uh, I wouldn't I think it's still a little bit early to to say you know they're okay. that they're worried about things i think you know they've still got a the level they've shown that they've got the level to you know to really do a job on teams and to hurt hurt teams i think still there's there's people to bring into that team i think ziek is um a bigger player than people realize i think his his creativity especially against a team that that tries not to attack as much and tries to play on the counter like wolves did a little bit last night I think um, is is something that they they miss when he's not in the team. Um, I think they've still got to get the striker situation sorted. I think Werner is underperforming at the minute. I think Havertz hasn't quite settled in just yet. Um, so there's still more to come. So I wouldn't be worried about them. Um, you know, not winning pretty much every game this season. I think if they would, if they had everybody in the team, and you know they were at full strength and they still weren't get, winning games, I think then you can sort of look at it and say, have we got a problem? But I still think Chelsea have got more to come mm. and they've done they've done such a good job on teams in, in recent, in, well, in the first 10 weeks that, you know, they have got that level and it's just uh, getting back to it. And that could be down to fatigue, as we said before. It could be down to, to other things. But I think people, if they are worried, I think they're overreacting a little bit um, just yet. I was going to say, if it is fatigue, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they get on over the Christmas period. They've they've played uh, last night. They're not playing again until next Monday, so they've got a decent amount of time to prepare for that before they head into the festive period. And another fixture that could really sort of see how things are going to go at the top. Of course, Chelsea play Man City at the uh, the first game of of 2021 for both of those sides. Um, so that's uh, going to be an interesting one at, at the Bridge. And then, of course, Chelsea they've got to go to Morecambe in the <laughs> FA Cup. So. <laughs> I've been to Morecambe a few times, got a speeding yeah. ticket on the way back after a Tuesday <laughs> nighter, so I don't want to be reminded. Thanks, though, Ian. It's better um, than a lousy T-shirt. It is better than a lousy t <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. Well done to Wolves last night. Important win, something they definitely needed. Moves them back towards the top half of the Premier League table. As for Chelsea, two defeats on the spin for them. Ian just mentioned Manchester City, and it's the Etihad where we're going next as Pep Guardiola's side drew 1-1 with West Bromwich Albion. Now, on, on the face of it, if you were just scrolling through through your phone and didn't see the game last night in and you were checking the results you'd see Manchester City won West Brom won and you'd sit up and you go oh that's a bloody good point for West Brom but even so a draw against Manchester City 
it suggested that Slaven Bilic, the West Brom manager, might even be sacked as soon as the end of this week, ahead of the weekend's games. I mean, it seems quite peculiar because would that be the right call for you? Bilic says West Brom have improved lately under his stewardship and you'd have to suggest the point against Manchester City shows that, doesn't it? It's not a bad point to have. I think most teams who are in the lower reaches of the Premier League would, would take especially going to the Etihad uh, as the visitors and coming away with a point. I mean, you would you would definitely take that as, uh, as a decent night's work. Um, Slaven Bilic, we've seen it before. We've seen it certainly when he was at West Ham, similar kind of situation where things weren't really going his way. I mean, I think he's all right. he seems to be a, a great manager at the start. Uh, for me, I think. And while things are going well, you know, he's got the momentum, everybody's behind him. And then when teams seem to have this wobble then when he's been involved with them, they, they, they seem to not really find a way fully out of it. Um, and, and if they do, it's perhaps too late where the decision's always al- already been made further up the, uh, the food chain in the club. And maybe that's the situation where Slaven Bilic is now. Who knows if it's too late for him to be sacked. Uh, if he is going to be sacked even, that's that's not something we're privy to. But yeah, I mean, the performance last night was was pretty decent, really, when, when you look at it. And um, certainly for a team that are fighting for their lives, they do sh- seem to be showing that that fight. And I think it was Arsene Wenger who said a long time ago, and it's, it's, it's sort of something that stuck with me, really, that, that from um, a management point of view or a psychology point of view that I think he's he made a point once that it's very rare that when you sack a manager mid-season that it actually is going to change your fortunes beyond a couple of games. You know, you usually get that bounce where you get the first couple of games of a new manager going in and, oh, you know, we're back in it. But then eventually it slips back to where it was. And he, I think it was Arsene Wenger that said, you know, if you're in the middle of a season, you're just going to have to see it out because, you know, you those those extra bonus points you're going to get by changing your manager, it's just the upheaval's not worth it. And, um I think it would be very. I would be very concerned if I was a West Brom fan and Slaven Bilic was canned. Put it that way, because I don't think I don't think the uh, I don't think the grass is greener. Well, we know that there's been conflict and tension between Slaven Bilic and the West Brom board, Marley. But what you get with Bilic in terms of his character is someone who's definitely up for the fight. You can see the passion he displays on the touchline. He's a man who who's in it for the battle. And sometimes that's what teams need when they're in a relegation scrap. They need someone who is determined, who is able to really sort of orchestrate things from the touchline and uh, and demonstrate that ability to be up for the fight, even if it's just channeling it in press conferences and in interviews to the fans to say these players are up for the challenge. Would that be the right call for you, in your opinion? Ian says he doesn't think the grass is greener. What's your take on it? Uh, I'd be I'd be inclined to agree. To be honest, I think um, I think it's it's not surprising this situation. In you know, West Brom have a history of changing managers. Um, when they came up, you looked at Billic and you looked at the squad they had, and you you know you know West Brom are always going to be in a fight. I don't understand why. You know, you can say, well, if we get a new manager, we might stay up. It's like, you know, you you probably won't because West Brom aren't. They've got nothing in that squad that suggests they can stay up. In my opinion, I don't think they've got someone who can say, you know, if we go down, he'll he'll get into a top ten team and stuff like that. I just don't, I don't see what it what the the situation is that that they feel like sacking a guy. He got them back to the Premier League playing proper football. Um, you know. Got flair players, attacking players like um, uh, Dean Garner and and Mateus Pereira, good players. But 
yeah, I just, I just think you should stick with him and, and give him more of a chance. I mean, the fact that the, these rumours came out, you know, within an hour of them drawing at Man City, like the best result of the season. That's a time when the tails should be high and, you know, everyone should be thinking, OK, maybe we can do this if we've just came here. I know Man City aren't at the best, but, you know, that level of performance that City turned in would still beat a lot, a lot of Premier League teams last night. So, can, you know, couldn't you not say, right, well, this could be the, the starting point of something where we can go and pick up, you know, six or nine points over the over the Christmas period and get ourselves, you know, out of the bottom three going into the new year and then we can have a proper go at it, but... It seems like they were almost waiting for a set point before they said, "Right, you know, we might we might get rid of him now and let's let's sort of let these rumours fly a little bit." With mm. with you know, twelve games is enough. It's nearly a quarter of a season, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe the the board are thinking, "Right, okay, maybe we've given him a, a suitable period of time and we're we're not out of the bottom three and let's let's do it now." But I don't really see somebody coming in. I mean, Allardyce has been mentioned. It's just the same old, isn't it? It's same old, yeah. same old stuff again. And nobody... exactly, if they if they win two games in a row, Marley, they're out of the relegation zone. Which I don't understand this. It's it's almost when you look at the table, it's psychological more than anything. You see yourself in the bottom three, and you think, oh, we're going down. Mm-hmm. But you win two games, you're in fourteenth, and yeah. then no one's really that worried about sacking the manager. But it is as simple as get a draw here against Manchester City. If they go and win their next game, then they could be clear of the relegation zone. Yeah. considering that there's other games still to come this week. So it's one of those strange situations that you see in the game. So I was just going to say quickly, I'm just reading the um, the, the three names that have been linked with this job, and it, number one choice is apparently a Sam Allardyce. Number two and three choices are Nigel Pearson and Mark Hughes. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Merry-go-round. It is Christmas time, I suppose, so get the fun fair on the go. Um, you were going to say something there about Sheffield United, Ian. I mean, they've stuck with Chris Wilder after everything he's done for that football club. He's a fan of, of Sheffield United. He's got them up from League One to the Premier League. They had a great season last season. They're eight points adrift, but there's no real rumblings that he's going to get the chop. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say, that, you know, Sheffield United, you look at the, the league table, it is pretty unflattering as far as a Sheffield United fan is concerned. One point, no wins, uh, and uh, minus 16 goal difference. I mean, if there was ever a recipe for somebody getting fired, that, that was probably going to be it. But um, mm. Worst say, start they, they, of ever, ever for any Premier League team to a season, by the way, Sheffield and, United. And I feel really sorry for Chris Wilder because, uh, you know, he is a, he's a genuinely nice guy great guy I, I once did um, uh, it was a football commentary thing we did a live um, a live OB a live football commentary in the playoff final I think it was a 2006 playoff final Sheffield United versus Wolves and Chris Wilder was the uh, the match summariser that we took with us and he was he'd just taken over at Halifax Town at the time and uh, yeah we had a great night out with Chris Wilder that's all I can say and, and, <laughs> and, and I've got a lot of time for him and he, you know, it's great to see how successful he's been and he's done it his way and, and he's stuck to his guns and he's ruffled a few feathers as well because obviously uh, you know uh, Jurgen Klopp has, has, has dropped him into conversation more than once in, in terms he's of obsessed with him isn't he I know it's <laughs> which which I know that Chris Wilder the term is Chris Wilder free. will love the fact that yeah he's, he's living in Jurgen Klopp's head rent free I think he'll love that but and I think it's good that Sheffield United are sticking sticking by him because, again, same thing. Who are you going to put in there instead? Sam Allardyce? How is he going to be any better than Chris Wilder? 
you know, well, it's, it's firefighting, it's, Ian, isn't it? Firefighting, yeah. he'll keep you up, and then what? I mean, do you really exactly. want your future of football to be under Sam Allardyce? No offence to the big man. Did a good hey, job at Bolton. Manager. But he was England was manager briefly, wasn't he? 100% record for England he's got, by the way, Sam Allardyce. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah, don't don't ever forget that. Um, let's now focus on Manchester City just quickly. Again, they looked a little bit limp and a little bit lifeless up front, Marley. The goal they scored was good. Sterling cutting it back for Gundogan with a, a nice first-time swept finish into the into the back of the net. But since Ruben Diaz arrived and he scored the own goal, by the way, which enabled West Bromwich Albion to get that equaliser, they've been absolutely solid at the back. Um, but if Liverpool or Tottenham uh, win tonight against each other and the game doesn't end in a draw, City will already be eight points off the top. I mean, we talk about problems that need addressing. That's definitely one of them at City. Uh, yeah, I think um, I've, you know, I've, I have got the solution to, well, the explanation as to why uh, Man City conceded a goal last night, and it was because I put Ruben Diaz in my fantasy football draft, thinking you know they haven't they haven't conceded <laughs> a goal for nine hours. Not only did they concede, the guy I put in scores an own goal out of it, and that just sums up absolutely everything you need to know about my uh, fantasy football team this year. But um, you're still above me. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't that one. It was the other one. It was this draft. You know the draft one where you play head to head with you. With oh, your I mates. do. Yeah, Bloody I know. Hell. It, yeah, it was yeah. the only city city defender that wasn't taken, and I was like, "Oh, hang on, this guy isn't taken, and he's in the team every week." And I put him in, and then I looked on my phone, and it said Ruben Diaz on goal, and I was like, "Right, put the phone down. <laughs> Let's just watch something else." But yeah, I think City. Yeah, City. It's just a strange situation for City, isn't it? Because they're not playing that badly in terms of how you watch them, but compared to what they can do, you know they're way off the pace, and you know they could be in quite a long way. What is it? Nine points before tonight's games um, in the league table, I think it is. But you know they're going to be probably twelve points behind one of the the leader, and that's that's a long way considering. Uh, what I said before about everybody beating each other this season, you can probably, you know, you are going to lose more points over the course of this year, and there is going to be uh, an uphill battle now from from then. You've got the Champions League coming back in the new year, around February time yeah. and stuff like that. You've got everything to balance. I think maybe if I was sitting now, I'd be trying to to maybe um, target January, get a get a get um, another striker in for January. Um, and hit the ground mm. running, or try to, um, and then go for the go for a cup competition, go for the Champions League, basically. Um, and yeah. because that's that's the one thing that they're missing. And I know it's, you're in a very privileged situation if you can say, right, we're going to target the Champions League. Um, but <laughs> maybe maybe that would be something that you know fans would love. They wouldn't be bothered about not winning the league if they won the Champions League. Um, what they would be worried about on and annoyed about is if they finish, you know, twelve or 10 points off the league leaders come the end of the season and they went out in the Champions League quarter-final because Pep played a, a, a strange system and, and got knocked out by, you know, Munch and Gladbach or something like that. So mm. um, it's a bit of a, it's a strange situation for City, but I think, um, you know, they, they have got pro- a little bit of a um, continuity thing to sort out with, with Silver leaving. I think that's bigger than what people think. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the the Aguero thing, I think they're starting to realise that life without Aguero might be a little bit more difficult than they thought. Um, but that's always going to be a problem that had to be solved at some point. It just needs to be solved sooner rather than later, I think. 100% agree with that. For me, Manchester City are a bit like a fizzy drink that you've left open for too long. 
you know, it still tastes the same, but it's gone a bit flat <laughs> and it's just not quite as good. So that's my assessment of it. Manchester City won. West Bromwich Albion won at the Etihad Stadium. Big point for West Brom, but could Slaven Bilic be sacked? Anyway, next up on Football Social Daily, we'll be talking about arguably the biggest game of the Premier League season so far. Tottenham take on Liverpool and we'll talk about it after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to the show. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Make sure you hit subscribe. That way you won't ever miss another episode of the podcast again. There'll be shows right throughout the season, including over the Christmas period. So as I say, hit the subscribe button or follow whatever it may be, however you listen to your podcasts, and that way you won't ever miss one. Time now to talk about one of the big games this week in the Premier League, if not the biggest of the season so far. Liverpool versus Tottenham Hotspur. A battle for top spot in the Premier League table takes place at Anfield. I mean, we've mentioned it already on the podcast, Ian, but psychologically with a win, uh, three points for either of these two sides uh, would be massive in terms of their ambitions to win the league, not just for the makeup of the table. Of course, they can go top. But for Spurs, it would be if they win, it's proof that they can actually do it and they are a force to be reckoned with this season. For Liverpool, it's a punch in the gut to all the other teams because even with all of these injuries, if they win, that Jurgen Klopp winning machine rolls on and, and yet again, they're still formidable. Yeah, we mentioned just before about you know the, the, the Christmas period and it is a time of the year where there are extra games crammed in which will uh, no doubt come as great news to Jurgen Klopp, uh, who's a big fan of, <laughs> of playing football regularly. Um, and, and you say this is, this is going to be one of those games that's going to uh, define uh, certainly the... the the course of the the season at the top of the table for these two uh, clubs for the for the for the weeks ahead uh, it could be a turning point depending on what happens um i know that i've i've got a few friends who are spurs fans and you know they've never really had much to say on social media about how spurs have been doing really over the last what 12 years that i've been on facebook um and i think i've seen more <laughs> spurs posts over the last two months than than i have ever and they're loving it they're loving having a team that seems to be exciting that's that's got ideas that is changing its you know its formation changing its ideas seems to be well organized is what i'm seeing that they're, they're very mm. excited and 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 this is Jose Mourinho's work. You can see that that's because the players, a lot of the players are the same. And obviously, I think they did pretty well uh, before with Pochettino, um, but not really the, this level of excitement. And and these are probably people who didn't really have a lot of time for, for Jose Mourinho when he was the Chelsea manager or the Manchester United manager. But now he's doing the business at Tottenham. They're, they're starting to see maybe what, what Jose can actually bring to, to the mm. team. So... I, you know, I'm I'm starting to to see a, a sense of optimism that that Spurs can do this. Liverpool, I know that they've got injuries and they've got games to play and they have to play sometimes on a Wednesday and then a Saturday and then sometimes they're expected to play the Tuesday after. I mean, you know, it's it must be tough at the top for Jurgen Klopp, but um, even with his injuries. I think that they've still got a, a better squad than most of the rest of the Premier League would would, uh, would yeah. have to be to be quite. It's not a bad position to be in, really. No, I don't think it's the most outrageous argument no. I've ever heard on the podcast, Ian. That's for sure. And you talk about Jurgen Klopp's injuries, and you talk about Jose Mourinho and that motivating 
factor which has made him so successful in the Premier League over the years. That's exactly what he's been saying in his pre-match press conference, Marley. He's been brilliant again. I mean, people call Jose box office and and it's for this exact reason. He basically reeled off a list of Liverpool first team players and said, not injured, not injured, not injured, not injured. And basically (laughs) ran through the whole team. And then he said that he could give a list of 10 Spurs players that are injured. And he actually tried to claim that Liverpool's injury crisis isn't as bad as things actually seem. I mean, is that just Jose playing the classic Jose trick of Mourinho mind games before a big match? Or does he actually have a point? It's typical Mourinho and I am fully here for it. I, <laughs> I love it. Me too. It's brilliant. Honestly, man, he's, he's, the Premier League is so much better with him in it. It's, I think it's great. Um He's probably trying to get into get into Klopp's head, which is understandable. Managers did it for years, you know, going back 20, 30 years, probably more. Um, and yeah, I mean, do you remember when Liverpool's crisis was was at its worst? And and we sat on this podcast, and I said that they can still field their front six and um, a defence with Fabinho and Matip at the back, and it was like mm. it's not that bad. Um, considering the the players they can still get out and that's exactly what what Mourinho was saying yesterday he still he still you know pointing to the fact that Allison's back Trent's there Robertson's there um and the front three's still there so the only injuries they've got is Van Dijk and I think he, he cleverly declined to mention Jota I think um but that was you know that suited his agenda quite nicely but yeah I think um, it's it's just one of them it's it's typical Mourinho um, he knows that you know um, Liverpool are practically unbeatable at home they've had that 60 something game unbeaten home run at Anfield in the league and it goes back years and it honestly wouldn't surprise me if, to, if Mourinho was the man to, to snap that because it's if you had to put money on one manager um, turning it over and, and snapping it um, it would be Jose Mourinho because it's mm. just typical him to to yeah. to turn up, f- up and leave, and then <laughs> like just go there and just be like mic right. drop, yeah, yep. See you later. Exactly. Um, Honestly, if there was fans there, he'd be running around doing his, you know, his ear cup knees, thing that he knees did. Knee sliding everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. When they beat uh, was it Juventus in the uh, in the Champions League? Yeah. And he was cupping his ear and everything like that, and he nearly had a fight with three players on his way off and everything like that. Yeah. I just think it, it could be it could be a really um, it could be a big uh, a big result tonight if uh, Mourinho can get that and if there was ever going to be um, a result that convinced people that Spurs were title challengers it's going to Anfield and beating Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. I think the dry cleaning bill at Hugo Boss might be quietly le- quite lengthy if he does end up <laughs> knee sliding down the touchline. Um, but to be honest, that's the sort of fabric of these games that I absolutely love. It's the narrative that gets woven into it. Of course, the largest home record or the longest unbeaten home record in the Premier League is for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge between 2004 and 2008. Of course, Jose Mourinho played a huge part in that unbeaten home record at the bridge for Chelsea. Um and Liverpool were the ones that ended that Chelsea unbeaten streak in 2008. Obviously, Mourinho had left by then, but it would just almost be poetic if Tottenham Hotspur, guided by Jose Mourinho, end that unbelievable 65-game unbeaten run at Anfield. If they do, it sends out a message to the rest of the league for me, Ian. Um, if they can beat Liverpool, despite Liverpool's injuries, they've been the formidable force in the Premier League over the last two seasons. If they can win, it gives that added belief because there's always this Spursy tag, isn't there? that Tottenham fans are desperate to shake and understandably if they can go the distance this season they'll have to beat sides like Liverpool along the way because if you can't beat 
the side who's as good as you, then the chances of you winning the league are, are slimmer. Exactly what we were saying earlier about Chelsea and, and how the, the, you know they've struggled so far to beat the teams around them. If you are going to get to the top of the league and, and, and win the Premier League, you are going to have to beat most of the teams in the league and you're going to have to beat them probably twice, uh, if, if possible, to sort of really seal it uh, more often than not. I think it certainly gives them advantage, doesn't it? It's nose ahead going into the Christmas period for Tottenham. Certainly takes a bit of the pressure off them and keeps them firmly in the hunt. And, and we were talking earlier about um, the psychological advantage to uh, the result of this match tonight and depending on which way it goes I think it's more of a uh, something that's going to be more useful for Jose Mourinho I don't think if, if Liverpool lost I don't think Jurgen Klopp will really be losing too much sleep over it I think you know there's plenty of time to go and they can get their act together And but I think beating Liverpool will be a bigger psychological win for Jose Mourinho and I think that he will trade mm. off that a lot more going into further yeah. into the season so I think that, uh, that there's probably more riding on it for Tottenham than there is Liverpool in terms of uh, the, you know the bragging rights um, yeah in, in definitely I think Jurgen Klopp would chew through his tongue tonight if Liverpool don't win though you yes. know what he's like when they lose he, he does not like it at all but that's just because he's a winner Jose Mourinho is a winner so why don't we try and pick a winner I know we don't like doing predictions on this podcast but I mean I mean it'd be exciting for the Premier League if Tottenham do win and you know I'm a neutral in this situation so I don't want to wish Liverpool defeat but I certainly think for the excitement and the you know shake up of the title race a Spurs victory would uh, would be welcome here tonight from my perspective as a neutral what about you Marley who can you see taking all three points or do you think it might be a draw here uh, I'm thinking with the the way the season is the, this weird year we've had um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Liverpool lose. So I'm going to predict and don't back this because if you've ever seen any of my predictions before, you'd know that I'm talking probably now. Um, but I'm going to go 2-1 to Spurs and the streak to be over. And I'll even go a little bit further and say that Klopp will somehow still manage to find a way to blame this whole thing on Chris Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the Undertaker's the streak at WrestleMania. Uh, Spurs to, to end the streak. I'm already going to Photoshop the meme ready to go. <laughs> Check out the Sports Social social media pages at the Sports Social on Twitter, at Sports Social Official on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook too. Before we talk about Fulham against Brighton, Ian, who's your winner out of Liverpool against Spurs? Yeah, I fancy I fancy Spurs to nick it. I fancy that it's going to be something like uh, a controversial offside, some kind of VAR intervention that is going to be the talking point to uh, to take away the uh, actual fact is that um, that Liverpool will get beat, um, but all talk will be about VAR and Jurgen Klopp blaming somehow, as you say, Chris Wilder um, <laughs> for I don't know being. Just, just being Chris Wilde, just being there. Where, where, where is Sheffield? Are Sheffield United not playing tonight, are they? So, Not till yeah. Thursday when they take on Manchester United, but a Spurs double from Ian and Marley. That's their predictions. What's yours? As I say, get in touch with us on social media and let us know. You can also find full match previews for all of these games tonight on our website, sports-social.co. UK. Now, from a big battle at the top to a big game at the bottom, Fulham against Brighton and Hove Albion is one of tonight's fixtures too. Um, Fulham can have a bit of confidence going into this one Ian considering they did pick up uh, a good result at the weekend against Liverpool if they win they can go out of the relegation zone so Scott Parker said he's seen an improvement how much of an improvement do you think they have made and have they made enough of one to be able to see off Brighton tonight yeah very tricky game this evening I think um 
I do fancy, I don't know, this has got either a nil-nil or a 1-1 draw written all over it for me, I think. But um, it is a big opportunity for Fulham. Uh, and as you say, they, they have seemed to get their act together. But I don't know, it, it just seems that there's, there's too much on it for both teams. I just think it's more important to Brighton than it is Fulham, if you know what I mean. I think Bright, a win for Brighton is going to get them up, uh, not very far, but it's certainly going to get them in striking distance of getting you know mid-table and make themselves a little bit safer. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think it's. I don't think it's going to be game of the day. I can't be honest. No, uh, that's that's fair <laughs> enough. I just think in terms of the nature of the table down the bottom there, yeah, Marley. It's all very tight though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I was just going to say, you know, with you know Brighton two points above the dotted line, Fulham now with a chance to leapfrog a couple of teams and go out of the relegation zone, heading into a busy fe- festive fixture schedule. Um, it, it could be massive. I mean, as for Brighton, they've lost two in a row, Marley. They're only two points above the relegation zone, as I say. I mean, if they lose here, it's a big concern for them going into Christmas. I mean, that relegation battle then thickens. Um, but we say that every week about Brighton, that they need to win more games. Yeah, we do. Um, it's hard to predict what Brighton are going to do because we all know they can play some good football and just not get the the um, the results. Maybe their performances. Um, deserve it at times but I think Fulham are improving and it's a really dangerous time to play Fulham because they have got their tails up and they have found um, found some goals and some results of late and you know the the draw against um, Liverpool is no no mean feat I think they're starting to gel into a system that uh, that can get the best out of a few of them. I think um, Luckman looks looks mm. a really good player, even though you know we talk about his penalty miss being his defining moment of the season. But before that, he was still their most dangerous player, and he was the one who you have to pay special attention to when you play Fulham. Um, so yeah, I think um, you know it's, I think it's it's at Fulham tonight as well, isn't it? Which is um, is it Fulham tonight? Is, or is it a yeah? It's at the cottage. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. It is, yeah. So yeah. I think you know. Go in there as Brighton. I think you've got to be really careful because you, you know, like like you said, you don't want to get beat um, because then you're right in it. You know, make no bones about it. You are in a a dogfight at the bottom if you uh, if you lose this game, and um, you need to put as much separation between them as you can because there is that little gap at the bottom of the uh, table now, and you want to be the right side of that line rather than you know scrapping with the likes of of West Brom and, and Sheffield United uh, to an extent. Yeah. Um so yeah it's it's massive for Brighton they've they've got to avoid defeat but ideally obviously you want to go and uh, win that game. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens there at Craven Cottage. Fulham against Brighton, one of a number of Premier League fixtures tonight. The others include Leicester versus Everton. The Foxes could go top of the table should other results go their way and they pick up a win at the King Power Stadium against the Toffees. The Marley versus Ian Derby as Leeds United take on Newcastle United. (laughs) Arsenal versus Southampton. Saints still in the top five of the Premier League table. Arsenal languishing down towards the bottom. Some saying they're in a relegation battle. Mikel Arteta walking a tightrope there. Imagine if Southampton do win. What does that mean for the Spaniards? its future and Europa League chasing West Ham take on mid-table Crystal Palace 2 of course we'll preview and review all of those games as I mentioned before on our website sport-social.co.uk right now that the Premier League action's out the way it's time to answer your questions we'll do it next here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sports Social 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall, alongside me Marley and Ian, and it's time to answer your questions. It's the AQA section of the podcast, also known as All Questions Answered. And here are the questions for today, starting with the legendary treasure on Instagram, who asks a quite interesting question, actually, which I still haven't been able to decide my opinion on. Um, We'll start with you, Ian. Would you rather score a hat-trick and lose 4-3 in a game or score an own goal and win 2-1? That comes from the legendary treasure on Insta. So come on, Ian. Are you a team player or are you selfish? Uh, I would say... um... Definitely the second one. Own goal and win 2-1 because it's about winning for the team. I can tell you there was one, um, I think it was it was right about this time of year, just before Christmas, went to watch Leeds United versus Newcastle United. Oh, it, it's it an actually omen. was actually, yeah. And this is a long time ago. I was, I was sat right at the back of that big stand at Leeds. Very, very back row. It was a freezing cold Saturday afternoon, three o'clock, jumpers for a goalpost, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and Leeds... Got off to a great start. I think they were 3-0 up at half-time. And you're thinking, cigars out, we're, we're going here. Merry Christmas. And guess what? A devastating second-half performance by, I think it was Kieran Dyer and Alan Shearer going down for a penalty, <laughs> as he does. Um, 4-3, they lost in the end. Christmas ruined. So, yeah, oh. definitely a 2-1 win is better than a 4-3 loss. I bet he ripped the net off the stanchion as well, Big Al, when he smashed that penalty in. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's you know. it's one of those where I suppose you're thinking of the goal bonus for a hat-trick, you know, from a selfish point of view. It's been a tough year for everyone, Marley. So what are you doing? You scoring a hat-trick <laughs> or are you scoring an own goal and winning the game? Uh, I, do you know what? I would, I'd love to say I'm a team player and blah, blah, blah. I'd love to score the hat-trick. It doesn't... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just... It's one of them where I always feel like as a striker, you would... You would um, Walk off the pitch, have it in, and your team had won and scored four, score four goals, and you haven't scored any of them. Is uh, is is just a bit? There's always something missing. I mean, strikers live on goals. Like if you score one and it bounces in off the heel and knew nothing about it, they'll still take massive confidence from it. So to score a hat trick, even if you lose four three, I'd I'd take that. I'd go for that to be honest. I think I'll be going for that as well. I think the easiest way to describe this is to say, is it a dead rubber? If it's a dead rubber, then you're taking the hat trick all day long. If the game means something and there's relegation or possibly promotion or something like that on the line, then you've got to take the win, surely. So I think, Treasure, it depends on the permutations, but I am going to go down the selfish route as well. Ian's the only unselfish one amongst us. I'm going for a hat trick too, Marley, so I'm with you there. Next question, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a man who's no stranger to hat-tricks in uh, Manchester United colours, of course. He's hailed as a tactical genius when Manchester United win, when all it is is Bruno Fernandes being head and shoulders above the rest of the squad. That's asked by Ruben. He wants to know why Solskjaer is hailed as that tactical genius after a United victory. Start with you, Marley, because Ruben seems to think that it is simply Bruno Fernandes carrying that Manchester United team. Does he have a point? Um... To an extent, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of what Man United do in a positive way is down to Bruno. Um, but one thing, I, I don't know who, I don't know how many people really suggest that Solskjaer is a tactical genius. If you see the um, the the sort of backlash for when Man United don't win a game, I think that's the the one area that Man United fans sometimes accuse him of being um, not so good at. But I think he he has had moments where I mean Leipzig at home, for example, the system confused Leipzig so much that um, yeah. that they ended up getting absolutely hammered, and you know Man United ran out five nil winners, and then everything PSG like away that. as think, well, Marley in the Champions yeah. League, they played a yeah. back five and it worked perfectly. 
Yeah, and even even back to the last season in the uh, in the knockouts when they knocked them out um, with Rashford's penalty in in Paris. Um, so yeah, I think going back to the question a little, a little bit, I think it depends where you play Bruno, and I think that that relies on the system sometimes. Um, I know he can affect games from many positions, you know, in in a midfield three or as a number ten. Or you know, giving a free roll or something like that. I do think he can do it in many positions, but um, I think sometimes the tactics can unlock a player a little bit more and, and get a lot more out of him than um, than what is um, what what you would normally. So I think if you look at his tactics, I think he's probably been trying to unlock that Paul Pogba for about three years now, or however long. <laughs> Well, Sosha has been in charge for what eighteen months, two years now. So. I think two years now. This month, yeah, actually, two years. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if he was that good tactically, he might have um, he might have unlocked Pogba. But many have tried and failed before him. So that's not really a, a slight on him. But yeah, I think um, Bruno will unlock your games, and and but I do think the system can help him a little bit. So maybe maybe it's a bit of bit of both, really. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I've seen after Arsenal's recent performances, Ian, people kind of compare Solskjaer and Mikel Arteta. Do you wonder if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hadn't have managed Norwegian club Molde and hadn't have taken Cardiff down in the Premier League uh, in 2014 and perhaps he had gone and learned his craft under someone like Ancelotti as an assistant manager and then come into Manchester United? I mean, that seems quite unlikely in itself. But do you think that maybe he might get a little bit more respect for his tactics? Because Arteta has obviously studied under Pep Guardiola. He's played for Arsenal, much like Solskjaer played for Manchester United. He's come in and it's not really working out for him. Um, do you think that that previous CV, that previous repertoire that he has is maybe acting not in his favour, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, make no bones about it. Would would Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be manager of Manchester United if he wasn't a Manchester United playing legend? I don't think he would. Um, not with that CV that you mentioned there. And yeah, he's probably got um, the benefit of, of the experience of Alex Ferguson. Maybe Alex Ferguson is, is helping him out uh, even now. We, we don't know, but... Um, I don't really think of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a tactical genius. I, I see him as an out-and-out Manchester United stalwart who has the respect of the fans um, and and is doing an all right job. Um, but yeah, I think he, he probably would have that extra bit of kudos if he had st- studied under one of the managerial greats, if you want to term them as as, as that, one of the coaching greats, to, to really pick those tactics up. I, as I say, it, it, he, I think Manchester United have been carried by Bruno Fernandes, from what I can see, because when he's not really contributed or been involved, they've, they've not really delivered a, a great deal. And... Um, yeah, um, I, I I think that is the top and bottom of it, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I go back to that game against PSG in October um, where United won late on in the group stages when Rashford scored. Bruno Fernandes wasn't great on that occasion. He missed a penalty. Um, he wasn't quite his usual effervescent self in the middle of the park, zipping balls around and getting into good positions. Um, he had a couple of opportunities and he wasn't poor, but I wouldn't say he carried Manchester United in that game. I'd say it was the tactics on that occasion, actually, which managed to get Manchester United the victory. So I don't think it's 100% fair or accurate to suggest that Manchester United are carried by Bruno Fernandes when they execute a good tactical performance because I think there are examples where that's not been the case but certainly I know what Ruben's getting at when he says that Bruno Fernandes almost 
single-handedly at times has dragged Manchester United through a game. But that's what you want from your big players and your big signings. Um, it'd be interesting to see how United go over the Christmas period. Of course, they've got Sheffield United on Thursday. Final question we're going to talk about comes from Baby Nelly on Instagram. Uh, interesting one this, Ian. Everyone always talks about a World eleven or a best-in-the-league squad. What do you guys think about an all-star match? Every USA league has one. Do you think we'll see one in the Premier League? An all-star match, yeah. <clears throat> it's a big thing in America, isn't it? They do it in, in soccer, they do it in um, in the NFL and basketball and, and all those kind of sports. So I think every sport in America is something they're, they're used to doing. Do we have that? I mean, we've we've tried having certainly uh, Great Britain teams and and uh, and that kind of thing for where the the Scottish leagues and the the English leagues have have merged for the Olympics, as I recall. But I don't think we've ever had the um, the, the best you know no. the best eleven, if you like, uh, that you would have in the fantasy league at the end of the season, uh, all actually playing together against each other. I think. It would certainly be a crowd pleaser, wouldn't it? It would certainly get the fans in if, if they're allowed in. It would certainly create TV interest. Um, and I can see it from, from that point of view. I mean, it'd be interesting mm. to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see it, to be honest, Marley, just purely because of the permutations around injuries. You know, imagine if Kevin De Bruyne goes steaming in on Bruno Fernandes and breaks his leg in an all-star game. That's not going to go down too well, is it? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm with you. I would love to see it, but I would never uh, expect it to happen in England because of the the history of everything. I think in America, um, there's much more clamour for to see the best elevens, um, sort of you know the best of the best, and it's that sort of uh, commercial aspect that they they really play on in American sport, and that's why they have MVP awards and. You know mm. all the rest of it and, and charity games for to to show off the best in the league and that kind of thing. But I think you know the one thing I think of when I think about this is, you know, if if a country if a country has a um, uh, an international friendly coming up, how many little hamstring injuries, how many back injuries happen because basically clubs are scared of losing the players. Um, so imagine what it would be like for a charity game that really doesn't happen, uh, doesn't need to happen at the end of the season. You'd get everybody pulling out with injuries in the build-up, and you'd end up like you know it'd be like soccer aid at the end of it with you know Lee Mack playing left back for one of the teams and Harry Styles up front for another. It'd be it'd be crazy. Yeah. So it, it just wouldn't it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't transfer to English football. I don't think. I think it is exciting, you're right. The, the prospect of it would be exciting, yeah, 100%. But I think logistically it probably wouldn't work because I think in the MLS, don't they have Western and Eastern conferences? So they've almost got two top divisions. I mean, if you picked a best 11 squad for the Premier League, Ian, who would they play against? I mean, I mean, what are we, are we trying to get La Liga to ring a bunch of eleven players together and give the Spaniards a game? <laughs> well, it, that, that was I was I was thinking who would be the opposition, um, and then I just thought it would be like a maybe a classic eleven uh, led by Sam Allardyce. You know, it could be that could be it. <laughs> you just love Big Sam. You're desperate to see him back in the oh, job. Get, aren't you? Get, get 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 Big Sam in until the end of the season. That's that's what you need. Allardyce had Allardyce had turn up with Ivan Campo, Yuri Jokaev, and Fernando Hierro on the <laughs> Kevin Davis, that's right, yeah. JJ Koch. <laughs> <laughs> they probably win as well they probably win lads it's been great to chat to you thanks very much Ian thank you Marley thank you cheers guys 
Don't forget to hit subscribe. Of course, all of the games that are taking place throughout the week will have full match reports on, on our website and also on our smart speaker skills. So if you've got an Amazon Alexa device or a Google Home, all you need to do is ask your speaker to open Sports Social and you can find the latest match previews and match reports for your favourite top flight team. That's it for now. We'll speak to you again on tomorrow's Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.